I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. We are here to answer your medical questions, so give us a call at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430. With us today is Dr. Andrew Ellsworth, ready to answer your medical questions. Dr. Ellsworth's specialty is family medicine. He works with the Avera Medical Group Brookings and volunteers as part of the Prairie Doc team of physicians. Good morning, Dr. Ellsworth. Good morning, Laura. Good to see you as always. <laughs> yes, thanks for being here this morning. Um, it's for the week of 4th of July. Hopefully everyone had a chance to have some fun this weekend and uh, be with family and friends and, and celebrate that. that yes, yes. I. Uh, it was fun lighting the fireworks and letting our son do more of that. And uh, maybe that was a little anxiety provoking for you, but I had a lot of fun. Yes, it was. Um, I learned that it was better for me to be involved rather than just sit in the chair and watch. I w- felt very anxious, but if I was more involved and could see what was happening and helping find the fuse and those things, I felt much better about things. So that's great. Tip for other anxious parents out there: just get more involved, and then it's not quite as scary. <laughs> so no, it was fun. We were safe and careful, and yeah. um, and Eli's pretty careful kid, so it was good. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, well, as we reflect on the 4th of July, you wrote an essay um, about our founding fathers and uh, the Revolutionary War and smallpox. Yes. Yeah, I, was, I, I really enjoyed doing the research for this one. I, I wanted to tie in for Independence Day and the Revolutionary War and, and, and disease uh, during the Revolutionary War, which one of the biggest uh, problems then, of course, they had all sorts of diseases going around and and uh, cholera and typhoid and so on but smallpox uh was was getting to be a big deal then um you had these british army off uh people military uh, soldiers coming um from all over in britain and uh, to the colonies to help out to fight the rebellion and they were bringing smallpox with them and a lot of them had had smallpox at some point in their lives. And one of the colonists had been kind of uh, secluded or you know, hadn't been exposed to smallpox yet. Um, and so we didn't have immunity uh, largely in the US. Um, and so that put us at a big disadvantage in the Revolutionary War. There were some early campaigns that failed um, like uh, in part, at least because of smallpox. I mean, sometimes losing a third to half of the soldiers involved in in whatever campaign um, to smallpox and 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 then other diseases too. But uh, um, and so it was it was uh, rough and not good. Um, in in fact, Boston had an early outbreak of smallpox in 1775, and George Washington. He, he knew about smallpox. He had had smallpox and had scars on his face from it and saw what it could do. And so he did not allow anyone from Boston near his troops during that outbreak. Um, and then once later, a year later in 76, when, they w- uh, when the soldiers withdrew, when the British withdrew from Boston, he only let his soldiers that had immunity from past smallpox into the city. So, I mean, it's... It's not necessarily a vaccine passport, but he knew it would be smart to just have the ones that have immunity go in. 
uh, to keep everyone safe and keep an outbreak from happening in his troops. Um, but he couldn't, he didn't have, you know, direct control over all the troops. So this other, you know, other troops were in Quebec and some of them weren't as careful. Um, in fact, General John Thomas himself got smallpox and died from it. And so it, it was getting to be more and more of an issue. And, uh, and so Washington decided to have everyone in the army receive this variolation procedure. And with this procedure, they'd make a small cut in the arm and introduce a little pox there with the idea that they could get maybe a milder form of it. Now, sometimes that didn't work out. Um, and you could even trigger an outbreak that that. So you had to be really careful and quarantine them afterwards. But by 77, 1777, over 40,000 soldiers of the Continental Army had received this procedure and infection rates in the colonies, uh, in, in the soldiers went from 20% to 1%. Um, and meanwhile, this procedure had been banned, was illegal, even in Virginia and several other states. And a lot of the Continental Congress didn't want Washington to, to have do this to the army. They were worried about it. Uh, but in the end, uh, it paid off. And with the rates that went way down, they, 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 everyone came around. And so the Continental Congress and, and the states got rid of their banning of the procedure and ban it's basically an early form of vaccination and so it was really the first mass vaccination campaign in the united states uh and really did kind of help turn the tide too in the war because if you're losing a third of your army here and there uh to smallpox you're you're not going to do a very good job fighting mm -hmm. um and so it's it's just a another reminder um how well vaccines have done and of course Thanks to modern vaccination, uh, you know, in the 1950s and stuff, we were able to eradicate smallpox mm -hmm. globally. Um, and so, uh, and thank goodness, because mm -hmm. that was a really bad one. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, in a typhoid, we don't see anymore because of, and cholera, because of clean water efforts mm -hmm. and sanitation efforts and, and from vaccines too. So um, it, uh, it's just a reminder that, you know, unfortunately there's still hundreds of people each day that die from COVID mm -hmm. and um, there's still several that are unvaccinated. Um, not majority, no, mm -hmm. but still several. And uh, it would be nice to, uh, it's to the point was to help us gain our independence from COVID-19 if we could, mm -hmm. you know, continue to vaccinate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really fascinating. I really never dove into any of those topics and how smallpox influenced that and the varial what was it called variolation, variolation. procedure yeah. to um, expose the soldiers to the smallpox and fascinating you shared with me um that george washington we often see his profile of his face yeah one reason because of those scars on his face from smallpox yeah now there's other a lot of portraits they you know kind of brush over it didn't include scars and stuff but okay but realistically he had some decent scars on his face it sounds like hmm. fascinating <laughs> yeah and of course you know later they it wasn't too much later they started doing that cowpox inoculating people with cowpox which gave them immunity to smallpox um and then that and then until later when they finally had the actual smallpox vaccine mm -hmm. but uh you know, forms of vaccination is, it's not a new thing. 
-hmm. and it's uh, very American. Sure. You know, if you're going to tell me that it's un-American to have George Washington giving uh, this vaccine to all his troops to help us win the Revolutionary War, then I don't know what a patriot is anymore. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> there you go. Well, there's our history lesson for this morning. I appreciate that. If, if you have questions about that history lesson or any other medical questions you'd like us to address this morning, give us a call. We're going to go to our first break now. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical concerns you would like us to address. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Lung cancer is the leading cause of cancer death in the United States. Cigarette smoking is the number one cause of lung cancer, but it can also be caused by other forms of tobacco like pipes and cigars or breathing secondhand smoke or being exposed to asbestos or radon. We also are concerned with people who have a family history of lung cancer. Lung cancer symptoms may include coughing that gets worse and doesn't go away, chest pain, shortness of breath, wheezing, and coughing up blood. Other illnesses that can cause these, these symptoms should be investigated as well. If you have any symptoms, talk to your doctor. For help to quit smoking, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW or visit cdc.gov quit. Your provider at the Avera Medical Group is a good resource to discuss lung symptoms. Call 697-9500 for an appointment. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. 692-1430. Before the break, Dr. Ellsworth was filling us in on the Revolutionary War and George Washington's decisions regarding smallpox and how that um, really helped win the war, some of those decisions he made. If you want to read that essay that uh, Dr. Ellsworth is, wrote and is referring to, you can find that in this week's Brookings Register, or you can find it online at prairiedoc.org, prairiedoc.org, um, or in many, many other newspapers throughout the region this week. What, so, seven states now, I think. Seven states we have those Prairie Doc essays. So it is really incredible. Over 100 newspapers. About that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, so find that essay. Look for that every week from our Prairie Docs and friends who are writing those essays. Dr. Ellsworth, uh, we're hearing about the Delta variant. What do, we, what do we need to know here in this area about the Delta variant? Well, um, it is uh, becoming the dominant strain. Um, in the U.S. now, looking at over the past two weeks, it's looking to be about 52% of cases, COVID cases. Okay. Um, uh, well, about the good old uh, alpha variant, the original variant, uh, about 29% of cases. It does. It is more transmissible. It's the most transmissible of the, of the variants thus far. Um, one reason why it swept through India mm -hmm. and such. Um, and uh, and it does uh, seem to affect uh, younger people more, and it seems to be more um, uh, a wor a little bit worse of a variant, um, but uh, more severe. Um, but uh, thankfully, uh, the the vaccine, the vaccines, the three vaccines are still very effective. 
um, I got heard a number of, they said 88% effective. What's that mean? Well, basically, they, it really decreases your risk of having a severe illness or hospitalization or death drastically. You know, you could still get it, but chances are then it would be very mild or you wouldn't even know you had it. Mm. Um, and so, but unfortunately, it, it's, you know, sweeping through particular areas of where there's large pockets of people that are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, you know, and that's where it's, uh, I saw over 80% they're thinking of the, the strains affecting Iowa and Missouri and Arkansas and such. So it, and it has hit South Dakota. Um, and so uh, not that much yet, thankfully. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and I think our weather, the warmer weather, you know, kept COVID at bay pretty well for us last year too. Mm -hmm. um, but I do have a concern in the fall if, if, uh, it, if we can't get more a larger number of people vaccinated, it could have a bit more of a resurgence. I, I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, thankfully, with our modern medicine and, and, and uh, with the number of people vaccinated, I'm not worried about our hospitals, um, you know, as drastic as a dire situation has been in India. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, you, you add on top of that, if once we have influenza going around again, mm -hmm. um, it is interesting, you know, like RSV, uh, which for you and I might give us a bad cold, mm -hmm. um, but for some infants it can be quite serious. Uh, that's always been a January, February, March illness every year, um, and this year it's a it was a June illness. Oh really? Uh, it we see quite we saw quite a few cases here in Brookings and other places in the country, and now in the southern states I saw a headline uh, for with RSV which never was a June thing before. So okay. now that people are doing things, which is great. We're getting out. We're doing things. Yeah. Why not? Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, <laughs> sure enough, washing our hands and staying home when we were sick and covering our mouths and uh, wearing masks and uh, so on and so forth uh, protected us against it yeah. for the winter months. Mm -hmm. um, but now it's circulating. And okay. so... So I do, you know, wonder how much influenza will go around this next year and you add on top of that COVID and such. And so it would be nice to keep try to get our vaccine rates up mm -hmm. before before the fall. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. So the best. So if you're worried about the Delta variant. The best thing to do is to make sure you're vaccinated. And if you are, you're um, most likely have some pretty good protection. Yeah. And you might not be worried about it. Mm -hmm. You might say, oh, I'm young, healthy. I'll be fine. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's probably true. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can till, still transmit it to others, mm -hmm. transmit it to others. And um, it, it, there certainly, unfortunately, there are still been thousands of hospitalizations of youth mm -hmm. and uh, death and hundreds of deaths mm -hmm. of youth from COVID um, in our country. And um, I've talked to several grandparents that knew their grandkids had had it somewhere in the country and it had been previously healthy and active and in everything and now they're slugs mm, you know the, the kind of that long hauler thing mm -hmm. um and so it it uh it really can cause problems and and uh and so we want to try to prevent that if we can okay well it's time for us to go to our next break we thank you for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast call us now at 605-692-1430 with any medical questions you would like us to address our programs are available as podcast just look for prairie doc wherever you get your podcast today's program will be added to the podcast soon we will return following this informative message from the avera medical group
Did you know that globally, pneumonia, an infection of the lungs, kills more children younger than five years of age than any other infectious disease such as HIV infection, malaria, or tuberculosis? In the United States, 1.3 million people were diagnosed with pneumonia in an emergency department during 2017. Unfortunately, about 50,000 people die from the disease each year in the United States. Most of the people affected by pneumonia in the United States are adults. Vaccines and appropriate treatment like antibiotics and antivirals can prevent many of the deaths globally and in the U.S. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. Earlier in the program, we took a look at history and the Revolutionary War and smallpox on this 4th of July week, so that was interesting to discuss. And Dr. Ellsworth just gave us an update on the Delta variant and um, thinking about that. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, this week for Prairie Doc Television on SDPB, we are doing a rerun of our ear, nose, and throat show that was earlier this year. Um, so that's a great show with Dr. Jonathan Melema as the guest, filling us in on all things ear, nose, and throat. Dr. Ellsworth, let's talk a little bit about hearing. Uh, when our babies are born, you, we have hearing tests. That's part of the thing that happens in the hospital. How does, why is that part of, you know, the first hours of life checking on hearing and how is that done? Yeah, we usually do that at, after 24 hours. Okay. Um, and uh, uh, to, to catch it early um, mm-hmm. because it, otherwise it can, they could, it, it might not get noticed till um several several months or even years with, with you know if, with the uh, speech delays mm-hmm. in their development and we want to stay on top of that um and so you know some interventions that we could do um or just being or just just knowing helps and mm-hmm. so we do these screens and the screens aren't perfect they they are commonly quote unquote failed okay um and then so then sometimes that leads to a couple other tests just to make sure or repeating the test and usually then it's just fine and normal but um, it is it is something we want to catch early and uh, get on top of, um, and so and that can be really helpful. And I've even had the babies with cochlear implants, um, where they did it early on, and the kid did so awesome and and uh, and and developed uh, normally then with their speech and and how before the kid wasn't making any much for verbal sounds, and then all of a sudden they got the cochlear implants. Uh, and now they're starting to talk and they're starting to babble more and, and everything. It's just really fun to see mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and hearing their mother's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's pretty special. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I um, have seen these videos kind of floating around Facebook and other things online of babies. They oh, take a really? video of babies when they first get their cochlear implants or whatever and they can hear and uh, just their emotional response, even as a little yeah. baby, too. Being able to hear is really beautiful to watch. Yeah. 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 So that is really interesting. So, yeah. So hearing for tests for babies is done right away. And then 
kind of throughout our lives, we keep doing these hearing tests. I remember going to school and getting have to raise your arm, right? Yep, As usually in kin- before kindergarten, we'll do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, most all kids. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then, of course, if there's a concern, uh, yep. Yeah, I can bring it up then. So what about um, as we age, uh, hearing loss becomes more common as we age. Is that true? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and granted, a large part of it can matter your uh, exposure to loud noises, um, whether at at work, Mm -hmm. another reason to make sure you wear ear protection, or when firing a gun, Mm -hmm. or going to loud concerts, Mm -hmm. or you name it, you know, um, it can, can really damage your hearing over time. And so, and, you know, one of the telltale signs, uh, telltale signs would be um, tinnitus or tinnitus, the ringing in the ears. Sometimes that is something people notice that can be caused from hearing loss or they notice hearing loss, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in sometimes losing higher pitched um, hearing is something that goes first with that, too. Or as we get older, just naturally. Um And so you may have a harder time hearing female voices or grandkids or something. And uh, so, and it is remarkable how much hearing aids can help a person even cognitively, mentally. Mm -hmm. If you can't hear, then you're more, you're not as engaged in the conversation or you're more withdrawn and it gets harder to relate to people and talk to people and and so sometimes that can lead to less mental stimulation and so and so sometimes that can increase your rate risk of basically dementia Mm -hmm. um where you know because it's better to exercise the brain and to be engaged and to read and talk and exercise and so on and so if but if you're more and more withdrawn and your world is getting smaller and smaller um it, hearing loss can be a major reason cause for that but if you can with the hearing aids if you can engage in more conversations and talk to more people again and and uh stimulate your brain more um that helps mm-hmm. so the brain's a muscle yeah you gotta I think, exercise it i think dr melema in the television show mentions how it's important to catch it kind of early because if you've had hearing loss for quite a while um, and then get the hearing aid um, all those pathways may not work the way they did before so um, like you said if you don't exercise it you lose it so it is something if you are experiencing um, I know when I heard that I was like oh I want to stay on top of that if I'm experiencing any of that or um, noticing any of that and the people I love to make sure you get it checked out right away yeah and so you could in ENT office, doctor, ear, nose, and throat, uh, they will often have an audiologist in their office. I could do some hearing tests. Some of the local companies that do hearing aids will often be able to test your hearing as well. Um, and so there's some, some nice options around. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. it's time for and, us to oh, go ahead. And I just wanted to mention, too, that uh, wearing hearing protection, like when you're mowing mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and eye protection for that matter. Sure protect those things perfect well it's time for us to go to our final break we thank you for listening to prairie doc radio on kbrk and on our podcast we will return following this informative message from the avera medical group heart disease is a term that includes several more specific heart conditions the most common heart disease in the united states is coronary heart disease or chd 
CHD occurs when the arteries that supply blood to the heart muscle become hardened and narrowed due to the buildup of plaque. The narrowing and buildup of plaque is called atherosclerosis. Plaque is a mixture of fatty and other substances, including cholesterol and other lipids. When plaque builds up in the coronary arteries, blood flow to the heart is reduced, which reduces oxygen to the heart muscle. This can lead to a heart attack. Other heart conditions include angina, heart failure, and arrhythmias. Talk with your provider about preventing heart disease today. Call the Avera Medical Group Brookings at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and Prairie Doc physician Andrew Ellsworth is here to answer our medical questions. Give us a call at 605-692-1430. We're sharing that this week on our Prairie Doc television show. Uh, We're talking about ENT topics, ear, nose, and throat. Uh, Before the break, we were talking about hearing loss and Dr. Ellsworth, let's talk about a runny nose. Those things are so annoying and (laughs) and can be somewhat common. What do we look at when we- Yeah, very, very common. You know, especially just uh, this last spring, early summer, um, you know, allergies are a big, big cause. Mm -hmm. Um, And so trying an allergy medication or even better yet, a a, a steroid nasal spray, uh, like fluticasone or flonasonasacort, something like that, um, can be helpful. and something good to try, you know, granted a cold, mm-hmm. any number of viruses are, have been going around right now. And, the, and so if it's just been going on for a week or two, good chance it might be from a virus. It might just need to run its course. Um, but uh, there's other, you know, if it's chronic all the time, now still could be allergies, but there's also various forms of non-allergic rhinitis. Um, there's gustatory that mm-hmm. after eating warm foods or spicy foods, that can trigger it. Um, there's, there's other non-allergic types and, and some, there's some treatments for those that can be helpful, um, and might want to talk to your doctor about, um, sometimes it, there's a lot of things we try and ends up not helping all that much. You might just need to blow your nose after you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but there, but there are some treatments that are worth trying for that, but something to talk to that could basically be its own show too. I mean, we could dive into it more, but yeah, something to talk to your doctor about. You don't necessarily have to just live with it. Sure. But I had one patient, finally, he uh, he noticed every time he went to a hotel and he didn't have a runny nose in the morning anymore, so he finally <laughs> switched his pillow, and that took care of it. Oh, really? So you never okay. know what's in your pillows after a few years. Yeah, <laughs> so just switch those things up. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so if you've had a runny nose, like you said, you might just have a virus for a couple of weeks, but if it goes beyond that, then there's maybe yeah. some options good. to check into. Right. Okay. Yep. All right. Very good. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about this re- the show that's going to be on South Dakota Public Broadcasting Television uh, tomorrow night with Dr. Jonathan Melema. You guys covered a variety of topics. Dr. Melema, tell us a little bit about Dr. Melema. Yeah, he's an ear, nose, and throat doctor that uh, was here in Brookings. He uh, recently went back to uh, Minnesota, where which was his plan all along, but we, we were happy to have him while we did. And a really great guy, uh, down to earth, some good practical advice, and uh, I thought it was a, a, a good show with him. Yeah. So uh, I enjoyed uh, getting to know him while he was here, and, and uh, that show was an encore episode. Very good. Excellent. Well, we did have a question that just came in. We're about out of time, but we'll try to address it quickly now, and maybe we can dive into it more next week, too. Um, we're talking a question that just arrived. Um, 
talking about Vaseline. Uh, is that safe to put in your nose, et cetera? Um, is it safe to use it, be, um, a petroleum product, and why is it safer than other petroleum products like baby oil? Some say you, to use it, others say not to use it. What are your thoughts on Vaseline? You if know, you Vaseline want? itself is sometimes a good idea. Um, you know, if you've had a, a bunch of bloody noses or something and it's been dry, sometimes putting a little bit of that in your nose can uh, help moisten it to help keep it from cracking and bleeding further. Okay. Uh, a lot of dermatologists do like Vaseline over like a triple antibiotic ointment because sometimes some of those with chemicals in them or such can be irritating to the skin or some people can develop allergies to them, whereas the Vaseline is usually more pure and, and uh, uh, might be a better option. Um, boy, I haven't heard too many uh, places that didn't like Vaseline. Now, you know, granted, some depend on the situation or what the disease or process is. You might not want to add Vaseline to it I, I offhand. I, but in general, it's it it wouldn't. It's a nice option to use. Okay, yeah. and you're saying more kind of just the just the right in the opening. Entryway. We're not really yeah. putting this up in our nose, right. um, but just right in the entry. If you're having some dryness, or yep. I'm thinking of that when you're blowing your nose constantly and it gets kind of raw, maybe yep. that Vaseline might. Yeah, and if your help. lips are a little dry or cracked, you know, a little bit of that. Yeah, um, maybe more so than some of those uh, lip ointments. Sometimes your body can seems like get a little bit more dependent on those, mm -hmm. whereas the Vaseline, I think it develops less of a dependence sometimes if you start using that all the time. Or it, so if you've got a dry crack or something, you know, every time you open your mouth, it re-cracks. So you want to yeah. keep that moist for a while to help keep that from from continuing to crack. You know, sometimes people are going to crack in the side of their mouth, and uh, and sometimes you need an antibiotic or an antifungal medication to help get that treated. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that question. And we thank all of you for listening to our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc on KBRK, brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube for free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library. Visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Dr. Andrew Ellsworth for joining us today. As Dr. Holm would say. And George Washington. Stay healthy out there, people. <laughs>